Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Hustle Like Hannah, your how-to guide on turning your creative side into a business opportunity. Morning hustlers, how are we all doing? I can't believe that it's Monday again already. It feels like two seconds ago I was releasing last week's episode. To be honest, it feels like two seconds since I was even announcing the start of this podcast. Like, honestly, where did September go? I have no idea where the last sort of six, seven weeks have gone. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I am definitely feeling the arrival of autumn this past week. I've been wearing jumpers because I've definitely felt the temperature drop. I even contemplated cracking out my scarf the other day, which isn't like me. I don't normally crack that out till at least November time. And I've noticed that the nights are definitely getting a lot darker and a lot earlier. There's been times where I've only been halfway through work and it's already got pitch black. So yeah, that's not fun. Autumn's definitely here and winter is definitely on the horizon. And everything just seems so weird at the moment. On the news, they've been talking about these local lockdowns that they might be bringing back in again. And the world's just a bit of a scary and weird and I have no other words to describe it. It's 2020 has just been a weird one, hasn't it? Let's be honest. But hopefully I can bring you a little dose of motivation during these weird and definitely heavy and tricky times. So here is today's episode of Hustle Like Hannah. Enjoy! Today's guest is Sarah Jane Belt from PPD Studios. 14 years ago, Sarah Jane turned to pole fitness as a way to lose some weight and keep fit, but there wasn't really much out there in terms of classes or tutorials, so she's really had to teach herself all the moves and techniques. After spending years renting different venues and joining a franchise which ended up folding, Sarah Jane continued teaching pole under her own brand name, Princess Pole Dancing, and she set up her very own studio in 2012. There's so much more to her story, including how pole has impacted her battle with Emmy, but let's find out more from the lady herself. So hi, Sarah Jane. Thanks for coming on the show today. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Good, good. So obviously I've just given the listeners a little bit of an introduction about yourself, but you know yourself better than us. So why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? So yeah, I'm Sarah Jane. Everybody knows me as SJ because my name's too long for anybody to be bothered saying. (laughs) Um, I'm 34 now, 35 this year. I'm mum to a nine-year-old called Lily Faye, I'm married to my husband, Alan, and we have a fur baby called Elsa. And yeah, I own and run and teach at PPD Studios in Huddersfield, where we teach pole dancing, aerial hoop, aerial silks, kids circus, uh, teach Zumba, Zumba kids, choreography classes, flexibility, and yoga. I think that's everything. <laughs> That's that's uh, that's quite the range, yeah. So it's quite obviously... a list to remember. Yeah, definitely. You've got a lot of uh, selling points, though. That's the good thing. <laughs> so obviously, in the introduction, I mentioned that you started the pole fitness quite a few years ago. So what was it that sort of? How did you come across it? Like, what got you into it in the first place? 
So I'd worked before and in my younger years, I'd worked as a podium dancer and a kind of a promo girl. So I'd done like roller skating outside venues and things like that. And then obviously a lot of the dancing and I loved it. I wasn't formally trained in dance, but that kind of dancing just, it just came to me. It just came to me naturally. It was, it's just moving to the music and that's what I really enjoyed doing. Mm. So Unfortunately, I went on the pill injection, which was, as I'm sure a lot of women can attest to, didn't work out for me. It wasn't the one. I put on a lot of weight with it and I just had the one injection. I never went back, never had another. But with that weight gain, I was 20 at the time, going 21, just come out of a long-term relationship. And I felt really down on myself. I didn't like the way I looked. And gyms weren't very welcoming to women back then. They particularly mm. weren't welcoming to anybody who was overweight. It wasn't the place to go to get fit. It was a place to go if you were fit. Yeah. And we didn't have, we didn't have like all the, I won't name any brands, but we didn't have all the, um, you know, the, the commercial gyms that are, are across the country that are much more welcoming and, and, and open to everybody. It yeah. was your smaller gyms, your, like your meathead gyms that you think of. <laughs> and so that didn't really seem like an option for me. And I just... I don't know how I initially came across it. It was a video on the very, very early stages of the internet <laughs> back then. <laughs> we were, we're not talking, there wasn't a lot going on, but I think, I think it was a YouTube video and I saw a lady called Katie Coates and she was, she was doing this dance and it, was, it had that feel of podium dancing, but then there was, she was upside down, she was spinning and it just looked like the most exciting thing I'd ever seen. I was like, that is amazing. I, I need to be able to do that. Mm. So I looked it up and found she was basically the brand ambassador for for the company uh, vertical leisure which is still going now they're now known as Xpole. and mm. you could buy a pole to put up at home it was pressure fitted you could put it up take it down and i somehow <laughs> convinced my parents i was still living at home to let me have this pole that originally went up in my bedroom but then when i got a little bit more advanced it it lived in the dining room for a good two years <laughs> Mm. Um, the dining room furniture left the dining room and the dining room became <laughs> so my mum and dad would be facing the opposite way watching telly and I'm hanging off the skin of the back of my knees behind them <laughs> so, <laughs> they were, so that, that, that's basically how I got into it I needed something that was going to be fun that was a bit different also I think with the whole the way that I felt about myself I didn't have much body confidence didn't feel very good so I didn't want to go to anything with anybody else the mm. idea of being able to take that control back and do it for myself at home was was really important to me. Like obviously, you mentioned I've got ME, so it means that I get chronic fatigue, I get muscle weakness, um, a lot of other nasty side effects from it. Mm. But that would also have an impact. I wanted to, again, it was taking back that control for myself and doing something that you would think, oh, that probably doesn't fit with fatigue and muscle weakness. But it kind of it inspired me to to do something do something a bit out of my comfort zone and really push myself. I was trying to get me back again. Yeah. So what was it that kind of made you want to turn something that was just a hobby for yourself into an actual business? So I know obviously you joined a franchise initially before going at it alone, but what yeah. was it that made you want to pursue that as a career instead of like, you know, a typical office job or anything else basically? Yeah, so at this at this stage, I was kind of working odd jobs. I was doing a lot of bar work and things like that. And I wasn't really sure what I was doing with my life. Miami had changed everything completely. I was I was very academic. Everything that I did at school, I went to I went to Hetman White Grammar School and I, I attained, you know, really, really good grades. But then it hit in year 10 and I missed all of year 11. Mm -hmm. And I did go back and sit my GCSEs and 
I will toot my own horn. After a year off, I've got three A stars, five A's and two B's. And I was so chuffed. I was yeah, like, I say, well done. <laughs> but I was predicted 10 A stars. So that to me, even that now I can look back and see it for what it is. It was a brilliant achievement. Then it felt like the steamroller had gone over me. I was like, oh, mm. all these things that I wanted to do in my life are now not within reach. And they're also, they're not doable because of my health at the moment. I couldn't go on and do further education. I just, I couldn't sit through the lessons. I was, I was sleeping most of the day. Mm. So I'd kind of got that, I don't know what I'm doing with my life thing going on. Like, I don't know what the hell I want to do. I'm so confused right now. So I actually entered an amateur competition and that's how I ended up in the franchise. Somebody there spotted me, came over and said, look, would you like to teach? And I was like, do you know what? I love this. I love doing it. So sharing it with other people and making money from it will be really cool. Mm. Now, at that point for the franchise, it was so much work and no pay. And that is when you know that it is a passion. That is when you know that it's something that is coming from way within and it's not been it's not been led by financial gain and things like that. Mm. And I was literally traveling to four locations. I didn't drive. I was going on the train. I was carrying poles with me in big bags, <laughs> lugging them across town centers. Every time I got to the venue, I had to set the poles up, then teach the class and take it down. And I was doing all of that for about maybe like 20 pounds a time. (laughs) So once you take out train fares, I was making the bare minimum. I was making nothing for all that effort. But I just loved it. I loved doing it. So when they said that the franchise was going to, it was pulling out of West Yorkshire and the four venues that I was doing, I was like, I'm not, I can't give up on this. This has been, it's not my full job. It's my side hustle. I'm still working bar jobs. I'm still, but this is, this is what I love. This is what I'm really enjoying. And I'm bringing it to other people and seeing their achievements and watching them smile and be so happy when they get things. It's addictive. It's honestly Mm. addictive seeing people succeed. So it was, it was then that I had to make the decision to take over those locations for myself And I actually went on and I dropped a couple of them. I took on some new ones because some of them were pretty grimy. Mm. Some of them were like, some of them were strip clubs. um, And they were, because the poles were already there for me. But there was difficulties with the management. You know, we'd get there and I'd have all the girls waiting to come in for lesson. And then they wouldn't turn up to open up. So I'd have lost all my earnings for the night. And I'd be apologizing to people. It was just really unreliable. Mm. So... Then I fell pregnant in 2010 and um, that was a complete surprise. I was told that I couldn't have children. So finding out I was pregnant was slightly insane. So I had to step away from it completely then. So all my class locations, I closed them all down and I had waved everybody off on the way. And I, I didn't know whether I'd ever actually come back to it. And it was at that point when I made it the proper business, when I made mm. the decision in 2012, when um, my daughter was a little bit older and I said, you know what, enough of this hiring the venues by the hour. I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going back to bar work. I'm not going back to, to doing anything like that. I'm going to do this. This is going to be my job. And people thought I was insane. People thought I was crazy. I'm going to open the first dedicated pole dancing studio in Huddersfield and like, saying that to people they were like right okay (laughs) good luck with that yeah um, and and I just I just did it I searched for a venue I found one obviously I needed one that had a bit of height because you've got to have the height for the poles Mm. and I started out with the bare minimum and my dad helped me renovate the space that we had bless him and then when it opened it was a shock to the system but it was amazing and it just it's absolutely just snowballed from there Wow, that's amazing. It really sounds like you've had quite the journey then. So when you set up the 
business in 2012. So after you'd had your daughter and you decided, no, I'm going to actually make a proper go of this. Was there anything that was sort of holding you back a bit and making you think, oh, I don't know about this? Or did you just literally jump in feet first and hope for the best? Bit of both. There were so many things up against me. I mean, I've got a young child at home. I'd just separated from my then husband. So I was going through a divorce. Mm. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of one of those where I'd ended up on my own. And financial stability was a really important thing. Obviously, when you've got a little one at home, you need to make sure that you can pay the bills, you can put a roof over your head. Mm. And, and luckily, my family were really supportive. And they said, look, we've got your back. And they helped me out in the beginning because I didn't have any kind of savings. And obviously you need to put money down in your deposits and everything like that, like with a lease and things. So they really helped me out at the start. And luckily I was able to make it work and like pay them back. But it's the idea that it wasn't, it's not a proper job. That's what people will keep saying to me. Like, but that's not, mm. that's not a proper job. That's not a career. You can't make a career out of that. Where do you go with it? And the stigma surrounding it, in all honesty, it's very difficult trying to explain to people that you can do pole dancing for whatever reason you want. And obviously pole's where I started out initially before I, I branched out. And it was always people, uh, the negativity, negativity towards obviously strippers and sex workers, which mm. is just unnecessary. It's if you come to class of fitness and you never want to be a stripper, that's your business and I fully support you. But if a stripper comes to my class to learn some new tricks and make some money, then I'm not going to treat that person any differently. Yeah. Everybody yeah. is welcome in our studio. And literally, that is my one of my key things. Completely inclusive. Everybody mm. welcome. But that stigma when you're talking to people about it is is a difficult thing to kind of to get past and think is that going to hold me back mm. and also the lack of experience that I had with running a business I had no no idea where to start I knew how to teach I was damn good at teaching but that doesn't that doesn't run a business and everything else that comes with it do you know what mm. I mean there's so yeah. much more once you turn it into a full-time job all the tax like tax returns and you know everything like that that you've got to think about yeah. and looking at your profit and loss accounts and all this stuff that you like that's for grown-ups and you're still even when you're uh, when you're in your late 20s you don't feel quite like a grown-up yet <laughs> yeah I know yeah so obviously our listeners probably don't know this but obviously when I was at uni I joined the Pulse Society so obviously I came to your studio for a couple yes. of years and joined the classes and I know even to this day when I tell people and I say, oh, I was in the Pulse Society at uni, they instantly go, oh, did you take your clothes off for money? And it's like, well, if I did, that was none of your business. But no, I didn't. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I was like, no, I just did it because, you know, again, I joined, I was in the dance society, but I'd gone from dancing somewhat up to 20 hours a week to only dancing two hours a week. So I needed extra things to help keep my fitness levels up. So obviously that's why I came and joined it. And again, like you said, I, I just really enjoyed spinning around the pole doing all the different yes. spins that we learned. I was never that good at doing all the upside down business because of my hips, but I really enjoyed the spinning around stuff. <laughs> so, but yeah, I can appreciate the whole stigma thing. And going back to your point about this quote unquote proper job, I have people turning around to me and they're like, oh, okay, so you do that. Yeah. So what do you do for an actual job? And it's like, yeah. no, that is my actual job. Like, <laughs> just because it's... The thing is they don't realize how much goes on behind the scenes. Mm. They think, and I get this a lot, that literally my job is I come into the studio, I turn the lights on, I teach, and then I go home. Oh, so you've just done two hours tonight. 
Mm, no, so I uh, think of it, even if you're not taking care of a venue, you think of all the, the work behind the scenes, you've got to train, you've got to make sure you're up to date, you've got to do your choreography, you've got to tweak it, you've got to practice it, you've got to know it like the back of your hand. And that's mm. the same with a lesson plan. You don't just walk in there and just go, okay, what are we going to do today? The stuff behind the scenes is huge. And yeah. people don't seem to, to see that. They just see, oh, so you've just taught a couple of hours today. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the thing is as well, obviously, you get paid for those couple hours that you're teaching. But then if you say, go home and you spend another two hours doing your admin or filing your tax returns yeah. or planning your marketing, you're not actually getting paid for those hours. Exactly. So all yeah. that stuff behind the scenes is you do it because it makes your business work. You do it because it has to be done. Mm. But people don't see see any of that. And, and I think that's one thing that obviously when you take that jump to taking it from hobby to business, that is something that you do need to be aware of. You are going to be giving up a lot of time, a lot yeah, of time. <laughs> definitely. And I think as well, one more thing that I'm sure you can probably relate to on this is obviously when you work in the creative industry, particularly when it comes to the likes of your sort of performing arts and your sport and your fitness, for a lot of people, those things are just a hobby. So they don't always realize that for you, that's actually your livelihood. So obviously they might just turn around and go, oh, I'm not going to come to class this week. It's fine. It doesn't matter. But what they don't realize is for you, that's like a whole bit of income that you've now suddenly lost yeah. or, you know, they don't realize the severity of it just because it's only a hobby to them and I learned that the hard way because I I used to take bookings manually and I used to deal with everybody like obviously personally I'd have this chat with them which was again taking up time it was good to have that point of contact and obviously I, st I still do that very much but I was letting people get away with murder they mm. were cancelling they were or they were sometimes they weren't even cancelling they just wouldn't show up mm. so i've got a class that looks like it's fully booked out and this was particularly like difficult in in the early stages when it's no longer 20 25 pounds an hour venue fee that i've got to pay it's a full month's rent yeah and that coming out whether people turn up or not and because i didn't have any facility to take advance payments and i didn't have this cancellation policy in place mm. that i realized quite quickly that i was going to have to be a little bit more hardball i couldn't be everybody's best friend and i couldn't take it all in individual circumstances like oh my nana's best friend's uncle's fish has died you get <laughs> and you do you get a lot of excuses and I'm sure like majority of them are probably genuine but it doesn't take away from the fact that you wouldn't do it in any other setting you wouldn't mm -hmm. go into a restaurant without the ability like the means to pay and yeah. some people would turn, up, they would turn up and be like oh can I pay you next week and like you wouldn't do that in a hairdresser's you wouldn't do that anywhere else so yeah. why do they think it's okay to so yeah one one thing that I definitely learned was put the cancellation policy in place <laughs> and do not bend on it and pe yeah. some people will not like it. Some people will be cross. But if you are fair across the board, then that is the only fair way. Yeah, you definitely. Do it on an individual basis. And if they've paid in advance and they don't come, then at least I know that I can cover my overheads for that, for that class for that night. Yeah, definitely. So we're going <laughs> to turn to the upside of your business now. So this could be when you set up your own brand name after the franchise closed or it could even be from when you set your actual studios up in 2012 but of the whole time that you've been working for yourself up to present day what would you say has been 
your biggest success so the thing that you're most proud of Ooh, that's a hard one all of it (laughs) (laughs) it's honestly it's been the thing is there's always been something on the horizon I've never stopped that's one thing that I've never done I've never rested on my laurels and I've never stopped so it's always been looking on to the next thing but while staying true to myself and true to my brand Mm. I don't just branch out randomly and go oh right okay what can I do to make money I, I really, everything that I do, I genuinely believe in. So obviously from Paul, I got introduced to the aerial side of it. So I trained and got my qualification to teach aerial hoop, then went on to do the same with aerial silts because they all they all interlink, they all work well together and it made mm. sense. And that meant I could expand the studio space. And then I just, I went on with everything else. And so it was like, I've got a kid who wants to do this. So I'll get a qualification to teach children circus and all the aerial stuff to them. Mm. And then I was like, I miss dancing. I want to do something to do with dance. So I went on to become a Zumba instructor. And again, my daughter wanted to do it with me. Went on to do my Zumba kids. And things like that. And then yoga was something that I came across in in the later years because I needed something because everything was so go, go, go all the time. Mm. I needed to find something that was going to help me just find a little bit of peace, a little bit of quiet and and help me process things when things got too much. But the thing, yeah, the thing I'm most proud of is that I kind of, there's been challenges. They've got me down. They've nearly taken me out a couple of times. I'll be honest. There's been times when we've been teetering on a knife edge and I've thought, oh my God, I'm going to lose everything, particularly in the last four months, funnily enough. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think the thing I'm most proud of is staying true to, to myself, to the brand and to the vision, because the vision is always, has always been make people happy. Mm. help them with it it could be for fitness it could be for a hobby but at the end of that session I want them to be a little bit bruised a little bit tired (laughs) but I want I want to hear those cheers I want to see them go home and post on the social media because they're proud of themselves and they want to share it with people I want those little messages that you get after lesson going oh my god thank you so much for today I had no idea that I'd ever be able to do that and Mm. the number of people that message you and say you've changed their life and that is not something I take lightly. That is an absolute privilege and an honour to me, in all mm. honesty. Somebody messaged me and said, I was really suffering with my mental health. Finding this has given me a focus. It's, you know, the support of everybody at the studio. It's really helped me. They're literally saying that you've saved a life. And that sounds so dramatic. You're like, oh, well, okay, well, how can that, how does that work? But that is what genuinely people will say to me. And that, to me, I take that, like, I really take that to heart. I take that as, like, yes. Yeah, I'm so glad I could be a part of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I've had similar, obviously, from my dancers when they message me and they're like, oh, I finally got that dance move that, you know, I couldn't do when I first started learning it. And like you said, I think it was a bit earlier on, you said it it becomes addictive seeing other people sort of smash their goals and get past their own barriers. It's like, yes, keep going. I know you can do it. Keep doing it. And you almost become addicted to their achievements. I honestly, I am completely a hundred, a hundred percent. And people don't understand. I am, you'll see, if you ever see any, um, on look on the Instagram or any of the tagged videos, people put them on me in the background. It is just hilarious. (laughs) I am am just going wild in the back. I'm cheering. I'm doing a stupid dance. I'm like, 
but I, I've also I've also got the bad habit of having quite a thick Yorkshire accent, and I'm like, yeah, go on, last, get in there. <laughs> like, and it's, I sound like I'm down the local working men's club half the time in the background, but it's genuine. It's literally it just comes out of me. I can't help yeah. it. I just I, and I do that with it, beginners coming in. They're doing the first simple spin. I have taught that spin a million times. Mm. I literally have over the years. Like, I cannot imagine how many times I've taught it, but not to that person. So they're like how can you be so enthusiastic? You must've done this so often. I'm like, yeah, but not with you. Mm. I'm not seeing you do it. I'm not seeing you smash it. And look, now you are, look, your feet are off the floor. You thought you wouldn't be able to do anything and look at you now. And it's, yeah, look how giddy I am just talking about it. Yeah, I was going to say, you can just hear it in your voice. Yeah. (laughs) I get get way too carried away, but it is, it's a genuine, genuine passion. And that's, that's another piece of advice I'd give to people. Don't lose that. Mm. when it goes from a hobby to a business and all the seriousness comes with it and all the financial side of it and everything like that then it's it is easy and there have been lulls over the years where you're like it starts off being the best thing in the world you're going to work to do something that you absolutely love Mm. and that's amazing but then sometimes it can get difficult because the hobby is no longer your hobby it's just work yeah. And you don't take time to do the hobby for yourself as much anymore mm. because the next focus is, I'm sure you found the same, rather than dancing for yourself, you're dancing because you've got a lesson plan to do. Yeah. You're dancing because you've got something that needs fulfilling before actually fulfilling your own needs and finding your passion. And yeah. I bet you do the same as I do, that every now and again, it's nice to just find some music or something that inspires you and just have a freestyle, have a flow, just take a minute, maybe at the end of a class or before a class, like nobody else is there and just let go and just just do. It doesn't matter whether it's perfect. It doesn't matter whether it's suitable for teaching. All that matters (laughs) you felt it and that you get that little buzz again and you go, oh, there it is. I've missed that. Because if you don't keep that passion alive, then it, it turns into the same old, same old. And if you're not teaching with passion, especially in something like this, or you're not creating content with passion, then it's going to become noticeable, really yeah. noticeable, really yeah. quickly. Yeah, definitely. So moving on from that a little bit, you briefly said, obviously, there's been a lot of struggles that you've had to overcome and there's been a lot of kind of close calls in terms of keeping your business alive. So what would you say has been your biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome in the business? I'd say a big change in the industry over the years. When I first started out, I was charging £11 for a pole class for an hour, and mm. that was seen as the going rate. And I now actually charge £8 for my beginners, which if you think about the actual economy, I should be charging much more than I was charging 14 years ago. Yeah. But the way that everything changed is that the industry became quite saturated with which is a good thing. It's good to have choice, don't get me wrong. But there became so many fun fitness classes and that's taking it out of the gym perhaps or you know, maybe in a gym setting, but something other than, so it was like your dance things, your, you know, the obviously like trampoline classes, uh, your hooping classes, like the hula hooping classes. Yeah. All sorts of things came out of the woodwork. And those classes where you can fit particularly a lot of people in a room, mm. they can charge a lot less. They don't have the overheads of obviously, it may be the building, the things like me for rigging and all the equipment is very expensive to buy and maintain and keep everybody safe. And the insurances, my insurance is much higher because obviously people are hanging upside down. So without all those overheads, people were seeing like, oh, well, why should I pay that much money to come and do that when I can go do this class for for £2.50? 
yeah and that dynamic in the industry made it really difficult and when these things that there was a big boom of it and when all these things started coming out i did notice a drop in people coming to classes and that did lead me to in in the end drop my prices mm. and that in itself is difficult when you've got low numbers you've already taken the money down and you're thinking oh my goodness right where's this going to go is this going to go right off the other end is it going to stop completely was it a fad is this just been a fad the whole time and i'm mm. one of those that's going to it's going to burn out so that and i think how people spend money as well people don't think twice about spending like four or five pounds in a coffee place mm. and getting a really nice big coffee and a little little brownie bite but they seem to put a different, they seem to have a different idea of spending money on something that's for themselves in a different way, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So that little, that, in, it's like instant gratification, that, that moment where you get that nice hot coffee and you're like, oh yeah, and you have your little, you have your little snack. That doesn't seem like a big spend of money. But then when you look at it, it's eight, eight pounds for, for an hour class. Oh, well, and you're comparing it to other things. And I think that that definitely had an impact on, you know, it's not instant gratification. You're going to come in and you're going to do the class. Well, you're not going to lose weight immediately. You're not going to be strong immediately. You're not going to be brilliant at it immediately. Mm. And I think that that's the difference between how people spend money. They won't think twice about spending 80 pounds on a pair of pretty shoes because once they're there, they're there, aren't they? There's your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm guilty of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> going on but yeah definitely the changes in the industry and how people spend their money and choose to spend their money and view money as a whole mm. I think has definitely impacted businesses you find it with anything like if you see things on Etsy oh well I can get that in Primark for for two pounds I'm not going to pay for your handmade and they're not seeing the time the effort the dedication the uniqueness to what they're getting because they just know well I can I can get very similar for cheaper and it all comes down to the individual at the end of the day. You've just got to know who you're marketing to. Mm. And the ones that don't want to, you know, don't, don't see it as a as a decent investment, you've just got to say, okay, thank you, and not let it bother you and just kind of move on to the next. Yeah, definitely, yeah. So you've covered, obviously, your big success saying that, you know, you've always stayed true to yourself and true to the brand. And your biggest challenge being the money side of things and how people spend their money and the industry as a whole. And like you previously said, I think the UK lockdown hit most of us that are small business owners. So for anybody who's thinking of becoming either a business owner in general or in particular a business owner in a creative industry, what would you say are some sort of pros and cons to that? So the best thing is also the worst thing, being your own boss. <laughs> so it, it is it's a complete double-edged sword so being your own boss means that you get to go with what feels right for you you get to you know, get to learn from your experiences and you get to implement the changes and you get to reap the rewards from that you get to see like you say the successes of everybody and when you do it you've done it you you know you you mm. really can take something away from that and you can do it with pride but it's also you're responsible for everything you are the part of call for everything. If you forget something, it's got like a, a snowball effect again where you end up, oh, I forgot to do this. No, oh, now this, now this, now this. And it's even down to cleaning the studio. Do you know, everything's my job. And mm. the best thing that I did was getting a team of instructors to work with me, a team of people that, that had learned with me and they got a passion for it as well. And they decided, do you know what? I'd like to date this a bit further. And I looked at them as an individual and went, yeah, yeah, I can see you on the team. You fit. You're a good fit. 
and that's that was so helpful to me having other people that can pick up the slack yeah they if i'm poorly and i need to take a day off i have somebody to call on if i need a favor from somebody there's somebody who's there that i can speak to and they get it and because it's not as easy as if you obviously you work in some places you've got you've say you've got an office job you take a day off it doesn't really matter or somebody will cover your work fee for the day that's in the same team or something you yeah. can't find a lot of qualified pull or aerial instructors that you can call on at the drop of a hat and say <laughs> oh hiya I'm just looking for some cover for so-and-so so-and-so class it, it doesn't really work that way so yeah. you have to be organized and I tried to do everything myself for such a long time so I think just having a team of people around you whether that's maybe you know somebody to help you with your social media whether it's somebody you just to help you be organized with your admin if you're in a position where you can have people around you that are going to help you even if it's just you know it's just a family member somebody that you talk things through with and you can bounce ideas off mm. and then you know you're getting you're getting both sides of things so yeah I think that's definitely the, the the best thing's also the worst thing it can get lonely when it's just you but it's also awesome because everything you did you, you get to take your credit for and you get to sit back at the end of the day and go job well done Excellent. yeah I'm noticing with all the guests that I'm talking to that quite a common theme when I ask about the pros and cons is that they say no matter what element it is whether it's you know the fact that you're being your own boss or the freedom to be as creative as you want or you know whatever it is they always seem to say that whatever is the pro can also be the con as well so definitely I'm noticing that's quite a theme yeah okay so now I'm going to ask you to put your advice cap on to help any listeners who are thinking of turning something that they do for a hobby into something that's going to start making them money, what would you say are your sort of three top tips for anybody wanting to try this? So I'd say first one is to be organized. Know what you want to do. Think ahead, plan and know not necessarily like a five-year plan but know where you want to go with it make sure you've just got everything solidified before you take that jump you can have you can have a few things that you're thinking about you know maybe i'll do that maybe i'll do that but you really want to have the initial first plan this is me this is what i'm offering this is who i'm marketing to and just know know like i spoke before about like the brand the idea is that that's what you stick to and that's what you're true to mm. i'd say separate business and friendship people will ask you for a favor they will ask you for this they will ask you for a discount if they were your friends they would be paying full they mm. would be supporting you where they could they would not be asking to cut corners or for a freebie or for anything else and if you if you cross that line and you end up with friendships that are kind of interwoven with your business transactions it becomes so stressful honestly mm. it's just the, the stress of it you you're making you're making changes to your rules you, you you know you you're just making allowances for people and it will take its toll on you and i think that's one of the things that i found most difficult to do that because you want to be everybody's friend and you want to be really involved with everybody but you have to at the end of the day draw a line put the business head on and say okay here's like i said things like cancellation policies mm. things like that and then i'd just say stay hungry stay passionate with it make sure that you're doing it because you still love it keep the love for what you're doing there even if it is like we were talking about just taking time to do some of it for yourself maybe yeah. go you know if it's something crafty maybe go take a class and maybe treat yourself to a new bit of kit and just have a play with it not to sell anything just to do it mm. because 
the hobby to job change is a big change of dynamic. It goes from being the thing that you did for stress relief and fun to being less of that and yeah. more actually more stressful and less fun because you've got to take it so seriously. Mm. But I think if you lose that spark and that passion, then what's the point? What have you gained from it? You go into a business that's something that you love because you want to do something that you love mm. and you want to share that with people. And yeah, great, you're making money. That's fantastic. But do you want that job satisfaction? Do you mm. want that, you know, I can't wait to go to work today because I'm excited or I can't wait to start on this project or I can't wait to do this. So when you feel it waning and you feel bogged down, either, you know, take a break or find something that's going to reignite that passion because people can tell. The people at the other end of it, whether you're teaching something, providing something, they can tell if you've put your all into it and if you've got, if you know, if you're passionate about it on the day. And if they don't feel that, they won't come back. Mm, and that's definitely. how you keep, that's how you keep loyal clientele and you keep people coming back. Give them excellent customer service, go above and beyond what they expect and always like, you know, show up, be there. Even if you're having the worst day in the world, you, you put the face on and you, you, they don't know it. And you just go, right, okay, what we're doing today is. Yeah, I think definitely that, that passion and that drive is, that'd be my, the most important thing, especially when it's that transition from hobby to, to business or career. That's great. Thank you for that. Okay, so I've just got one final thing before we start to wrap this chat up. So for anybody who is maybe a pole instructor or they are looking to find some pole classes in their area or anybody who basically wants to find out more about you and your business, where can they find you? And do you have any offers on at the moment? Basically, whatever you want to plug for your business, go ahead, go ahead and <laughs> plug yourself. Yes. Excellent. So I'm um, obviously based in Huddersfield up um, at Marsh. We're on a bus route and we're not far from town centre. We've got a big free car park. We offer the, like I said, pole, hoop, silks. We're coming back with the kids' circus and the yoga. Everything's reopening now. Lockdown's over. We have exceptional social distancing in place. If you want, I've got so many papers that you can look through. Honestly, I've got every single uh, bit of paperwork you could possibly want. And I've gone <laughs> through so much the flora, you would not believe. That place is clean. It's clean. My hands are suffering, but it's definitely clean. And, and yeah, you can, uh, you can find us on Facebook if you search PPD Studios Pull and Ariel Huddersfield. We're on Instagram at PPD underscore studios I try to remember that right and our website is www.ppdstudios.co.uk and there's a load of other contact details on there as well so you can phone if you like me and you don't like phone conversations you can text you can email <laughs> <laughs> and I get a lot of um, phone anxiety people out there mm. um, so yeah you can there's uh, loads of ways to get in touch and obviously if you take a look at the Instagram we update that with the successes of our students as well. We really like to feature them on that. So you can see what you'd be doing, what kind of things people can do. And please remember, if you look on there, these people are just like you. They walked through those doors and they came in shy and nervous, like, hi, um, am I in the right place? I've come to the <laughs> uh, and, and they've just, they've taken that risk and everybody looks at them and looks at their achievements and goes, I could never do that 
believe me, those people said the exact same thing when they started. We do have lots of beginners classes on at the moment and we are taking on new starters. We've added some extra classes to the timetable. And I know that we've got in September, we've got a new six week beginners poll course starting and they run every six weeks. So at any stage, you'll be able to find one you'll be able to book on. Perfect. So for anybody listening who wants to find out more, I have listed all of the relevant links and information in the episode description. So it's super easy to find. Well, thank you very much, SJ, for coming and chatting with me today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. Take care. See you later. You too. Bye-bye. Once again, thank you to SJ from PPD Studios for coming and chatting with me today. And thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it's left you feeling motivated for the week ahead. Don't forget, if you want to appear as a guest on my podcast and talk about your creative hobby to business journey, just drop me an email to hustlelikehannahpodcast at gmail.com with your name, your business name and a bit about your hobby to business journey and you can appear as a guest in season two of Hustle Like Hannah. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, drop me a follow or a like at Hustle Like Hannah Podcast. And on those pages, you can stay up to date with everything that goes on behind the scenes, Q&As that I sometimes do on my stories and guest interviews each week. If you want to find out more about my business, just go to www.hannadanieldance.co.uk or search for Hannah Danielle Dance on any social media platform. Now go out there, smash your Monday, stay creative and keep on hustling. See you next week, everyone.